Welcome to the Prosperity Gap, where we discuss the financial gap that exists between you and your retirement. It's time to bridge that gap. Hello, Prosperity Nation, and welcome back to another episode of the Prosperity Gap, the show where we help you bridge that gap that exists between you and your retirement. My name's Dave Hall, I'm the Prosperity Guy, and I will be your host. If you have not yet had the opportunity to subscribe to our show, please make sure you do so. We release new shows every Friday, and we want to make sure you don't miss out on any of our exciting content. Today's show is being brought to you by eTrends Group. If you have questions or if you need help with your tax, accounting, or bookkeeping, please reach out to them at www.etrendsgroup.com. Also, if you have questions about anything we talk about on today's show, we're going to give you an opportunity to get those questions answered. And all you have to do is shoot me an email with your questions to info at theprosperityguy.com, and we will answer your questions on a future show. So today's show is all about the fiscal health of our country. Now, it may not seem like this should be such an important topic when we talk about retirement planning. Why are we going to cover finance, debt, those type of things? But you will see as we go through this show why it is so important that we cover this topic because as you look forward to your retirement, it is going to be something that will affect your retirement years greatly. The first question I have for you is, do you expect taxes to be higher or lower in the future? Well, I go across the country talking about this topic. In fact, I do a number of large webinars for CPA groups. And every time I do, we talk about this question and the main answer that we get back is that taxes will be higher. In fact, many people believe that is in short of a period of time, as 10 years from now, taxes could be substantially higher, maybe even double what they are now. So if this is the case, if this is what we're facing, are your retirement assets invested in the right place? One of the other things that we've learned as we go across the country is that 95% of people have their retirement assets placed in tax-deferred accounts. Now, what are these tax-deferred accounts? These are your IRA, your traditional IRA, your 401k, defined benefit plans. These are plans that you're putting together to allow you to get tax savings now, but then have to pay the taxes at some future time. Now, one of the important things that you need to understand about tax-deferred investments is that is what they are. Many people, especially CPAs, EAs, other professionals, will try to promote these to you as a tax deduction similar to maybe a home mortgage expense or property taxes where you can take these off your tax return, reduce the amount of tax you owe, and never have a future liability for the deductions that you've taken. Well, retirement plans are not set up the same way. If you get a deduction on your tax return now for an IRA contribution, all you're doing is deferring that tax to a future period of time. Now, if you're like me or you're like many of my friends and you believe that taxes could be even 1% higher than they are today during a period of time where we have some of the lowest tax rates we've ever had in the history of America. In fact, there's only been two other times that taxes have been lower than they are today, then we're putting our money in the wrong place. So throughout the remainder of the show today, we're going to talk primarily about math and why math creates such a problem when we look at the future of taxes and we look at the future of our retirement. Let's start by talking about the current national debt. Now, this one's a hard one because it's going up so quickly, it's hard to pinpoint where we're exactly at. At the time of 
producing this show, the national debt is shown on the debt clock at $24.5 trillion. Now, be aware that by the time this is released, it could be up to $25 trillion, maybe even higher than that. We've just recently added over $2 trillion. And it's my belief that when we get done with all this economic situations that we're facing as a result of the pandemic, that the amount could be as high as $6 trillion that we're adding on to the national debt. So we've got a big situation that's brewing that's getting worse by the day and getting compounded substantially. Now, many people will say, but what about our GDP? If we were to look at debt to GDP, are we really in that bad of a situation? Currently, we're at 128% debt GDP ratio. And if you look back at World War II right after that, we were at 121% and we pulled out of that period of time. So what is the problem that we have? Well, the problem that we have is that during the period of time after World War II, we were accounting for all of our liabilities. Unfortunately, we're not doing that now. The United States is not accounting for the fiscal gap we have. So what is this fiscal gap? This fiscal gap is the amount of money that we've committed to, but we're not putting on our books. Many other countries are required by law to report their fiscal gap, report their fiscal liabilities, those that they've committed to, even though the time has not come for them to pay those. At this time, the United States does not require that. So as a result, we're showing somewhere around 24, 25 trillion, when in reality, most economists believe that the number is closer to 200 trillion. Now, this is a huge number. And we've got a situation where we've made a lot of promises that we're not going to be able to keep if this is the situation, because currently we're only bringing in as a country about four to four and a half trillion dollars each year to be able to cover the costs that we have. One of the things that's often talked about is servicing of the national debt and how we're handling that. But right now, it's not been that big of an issue because we've been at historically low interest rate. So right now, we're paying about $382 billion to service that debt, and the U.S. government's bringing in about $4 trillion a year. So we're paying less than 10%. But what happens if interest rates were to double or maybe even quadruple? What's going to happen? Maybe the easiest way I can explain this is to go back to a house buying situation. Most of us at some point in our lives have bought a home or we want to buy a home. And when we do that, we usually have a budget regarding the amount of money that we can pay each month if we're going to finance that home. So right now, interest rates are around 3.5%. So if you had $2,000 a month that you could use to pay for principal and interest, on a loan, not counting the taxes and the other fees that you may have, you could buy a home that totaled about $400,000 in value. Pretty good sized home for $2,000 a month. But what happens if interest rates go up to where they were when I bought my first home, which is 7%? What if they were to double? Well, if that were to happen, the payment you would have on that $400,000 home would go from $2,000 a month up to $3,000 a month. You see in an individual family how big of a problem this can create. All of a sudden, you're having to pay 50% more than you've had to pay before. Well, now compound that with trillions of dollars, and what you realize is the amount of debt service that we have could be substantially higher and a bigger problem as that debt continues to grow and as interest rates creep up at some point in the future. Now, when we talk about these topics and when we talk about the fiscal health of the U.S. government, one of the big things many people have an issue with is those pork barrel spending that happens. All those things where congressmen go back to their own states, 
they spend tons of money on parks or libraries or other things. And we're like, why are we spending so much money on these projects? Maybe it's government contracts where people are getting paid way beyond what we think they should be. But you need to understand that this is just a minor part of the problem. This isn't where the majority of the issues lie when we look at the fiscal health of the government. In fact, if you were to look at the national debt clock, it's going up by about a million dollars every 30 seconds. Most of these projects don't cost much more than a million dollars. Some of them do, but many of them are under that amount. So it's just a fraction of the problem we have. What we have are three other big issues, the debt that we talked about. Another big issue that we have is Social Security. We have the majority of the baby boomers that are still coming and will be going on the Social Security rolls. In addition to that, we're all living longer. When Social Security was brought about as part of the New Deal with America by President Roosevelt back in 1935, we had 42 people for every one person receiving benefits. And it was an insurance against living too long. Well, now fast forward to 2020, and we've got a situation where we only have three people working for every one person receiving benefits. And instead of having a life expectancy of age 62, now if you make it to 62, your life expectancy on average is supposed to be 85 years old. That is 23 years. That's a fourth of your lifetime you could spend, and that's average. So many people are living far longer than that. So what we now have is an expensive retirement program instead of an insurance policy to help people get through a couple of years just in case they live longer than life expectancy. But as bad as that sounds and as problematic as that is, if you talk to David Walker, who was the Comptroller General of the United States back during the Bush and Clinton era, you will find out that the biggest problem we have is Medicare. He says, in fact, that Medicare is five times more expensive than Social Security. Why is Medicare so expensive? Because the rates for Medicare are outpacing inflation substantially. We've got all these retirees that are coming in. They're all living much longer, as we talked about, but they're also facing a number of health issues. And so we're having to spend lots of money to provide for their care for a long period of time. And then we have a situation where costs are outpacing inflation, and this is creating a substantial problem. One of the biggest issues that this creates, though, is that we have a political dilemma. What politician out there wants to cut these benefits? In fact, people have tried, many people have run on a platform where they're going to reduce these benefits, and the person who's competing against them, running against them, will run ads showing them pushing people off a cliff in a wheelchair. They're basically saying, look, you can't cut these benefits. Well, because no one wants their benefits cut, they are not allowing them to get into powers, which then means that the benefits continue on, the problem continues to get bigger, and we end up with this substantial amount of debt. Well, one of the solutions that many people bring up is they say, well, why don't we just go borrow more money? Why don't we go out there and find other people to borrow? Well, part of the issue that we have is if you look at it, a lot of the money that we've currently borrowed is from the Social Security pot. Social Security is out of money. There's no more money to give. Another large portion is being given or being borrowed by other countries. They're getting to a point where they are uncertain whether or not the United States can pay the money back or not. As a result, they're not very excited to borrow money. And if they do, they want to get higher return on their investment. And they don't want to get to a point where basically we don't have enough money coming in 
to even be able to service the debt. And that can happen if you look forward somewhere between 50 and $100 trillion. We have a situation where we don't have enough money under the current economic situation we have and the current tax structure to be able to service anything more than the national debt. Another solution that's often brought up is why don't we just have the government print more money? We've got big printing machines. We can just print our way out of the problem. Well, the reason money is so valuable is because it's scarce. There's only so much of it. So what happens when we go print trillions of additional dollars to help cover this? We create a situation of hyperinflation where our dollar is not going to last as long as it used to. In fact, one of my favorite stories is about Zimbabwe. They went out and printed a $100 trillion banknote. Now, that sounds exciting. $100 trillion. Well, guess what? That banknote is worth less than 50 cents because they've got such high inflation. The other problem when you have inflation is it's not like services cost less. The services that are being provided, such as Medicare, go up with the inflation. A doctor's not going to charge the same amount for products and services as they were before if inflation doubles, if we've got a situation where we have hyperinflation. Their money's not going to go as far, therefore they're need, going to need to charge more money, and we have this ever-compounding problem of trying to get out of our debt. Now, the third and final solution that's often brought forward is why don't we just cut our spending? Now, as I look at this situation, I often refer to it as the third rail of politics. Now, what am I talking about? If any of you have ever ridden a subway, you realize that third rail is where all the power is. That's not the rail that you want to touch. That's the one you want to stay away from. And politicians are realizing the same thing when it comes to dealing with this issue. That as they try to deal with it, they're not being able to get elected. So we just keep pushing the ball down the road. We just continue to push everything further and further until the problem continues to get bigger and bigger, until there will come a point when people will have to deal with this, when the government's going to have to say, we have no further option. And the option that I see the most viable, that they're going to have to increase taxes and increase them substantially. Now, many of you may ask, can they really do that? Could we really go into a period of higher taxes? All we've got to do is look back at history and we realize that, yes, that is a viable option. In fact, as I mentioned before, we're in a period of low taxes. The only time they've been lower is twice in our history, and they've been as high as 94%. And in fact, during the 1970s, the highest marginal tax rate was 70%. That was double what we're paying now. And the 70s wasn't that long ago. So as we go through all this, I know it can sound pretty discouraging. It can sound overwhelming with everything else we have going around us. But what I want you to understand is that all of this is really good news. The reason it's good news is because we know when taxes are going to go up and we have time to prepare for that day. So if you have retirement assets that are in this tax deferred bucket, you can know that on January 1st, 2026, taxes are going to be higher than they are now. And we expect that after that time, the taxes will just continually steadily get higher. Well, if that's the case, we have over five years to help prepare ourselves for this time. There is a lot that can be done with your retirement to get yourself to a position. You pay taxes now under historically low tax rates, and then in the future, you open up the opportunity to have tax-free income. You take that risk out of your life. And what we realized is that if you can remove that risk out of your life in the future, your retirement savings is going to last anywhere from 10 to 12 years longer. Well, with people living longer, this is something that most people want. 
In fact, 68% of America is concerned they'll run out of money before they die. This has become one of the biggest concerns that people have is that they're going to live too long. Who would have ever thought? Before it was, we were afraid to die. Now we're afraid that we're going to live too long and that we'll run out of money at the time in our lives when we can't replace it and be put in a position that we never thought we would find ourselves in. Maybe living with family, maybe living in some type of home, or unfortunately for some, living out on the street. So you have an amazing opportunity ahead of you to be able to fix the problem. As we go throughout the upcoming shows, we're going to share some cool things that you can do to help fix this problem in your own life, to be able to get yourself going down the path towards tax-free retirement, or what we call the power of zero paradigm. Thank you so much for being with me on the show today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Prosperity Gap. This is the show that helps you bridge the gap that exists between you and your retirement.